Coming to you from the Forge of Freedom studio in the heart of America, a podcast dedicated to preserving freedom and inspiring personal success. Freedom is born and lives through you, the individual, and it dies in the shadows of tyranny. Motivating our listeners to become well-rounded, freedom-minded people with the body of an athlete, the mind of a stoic, and the spirit of a warrior. The Tree of Liberty lives on through you, the Forge of Freedom. And now, here's your host, Alex Uli. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Forge of Freedom podcast. I'm your host, Alex Uli, and this is episode 22 of the Forge of Freedom. Today, we will be discussing an important distinction that has been ignored to the detriment of freedom, and that is the distinction between vice and crime. Over the years, the power to make our own decisions has been increasingly displaced by governments. That trend has been justified in part by the desire to control what government agents of the state and politicians view as vice, including an increasing tendency to find vice in environmental effects. Or social impact. Unfortunately, that approach violates our natural right of self-ownership. Unlike deterring real crime, which helps to deter- to secure the right of self-ownership, this tendency to criminalize vice has made government a hyperap- hyperactive, paternalistic bully that violates rights rather than protecting rights. This externally enforced self-control justifies consideration of a work by Lysander Spooner that lays out why our natural right of self-ownership combined with the right to enter into voluntary relationships or arrangements with other self-owners makes government coercion of peaceful people illegitimate. A moral principle not to be overridden just because someone with political power considers others' choices to be vices. Since we are now far from this ethical standard, we need to rediscover Lysander Spooner's vision spelled out in his work from 1875 called Vices Are Not Crimes. A Vindication of Moral Liberty. In this work, he he argues that vices or personal choices that do not harm others should not be considered crimes and therefore should not be regulated by the government. And I'm going to share some excerpted uh, highlights of his work in just a few moments. But first, I want to tell you a little bit about Lysander Spooner. I think it's helpful to know a little bit about the man himself. Lysander Spooner was an American philosopher, abolitionist, political philosopher, and legal theorist who lived in the 19th century. Spooner was a strong advocate of the labor movement and anti-authoritarian and an individualist anarchist in his political views. His 
economic and political ideology has been identified by some scholars as libertarian socialism or left libertarianism, while others identify them as right libertarian or anarcho-capitalist. According to George Woodcock, Spooner was a member of the International Working Men's Association, and his writing contributed to the development of both left libertarian and right libertarian political theory. Spooner's writings include the abolitionist book, The Unconstitutionality of Slavery, and No Treason, The Constitution of No Authority. Which, uh, which opposed treason charges against secessionists. Interesting, interestingly, from the publication of this book, The Unconstitutionality of Slavery, until 1861, Spooner actively campaigned against slavery. He published subsequent pamphlets on jury nullification and other legal defenses for escaped slaves and offered his legal services to fugitives, often free of charge. In the late 1850s, copies of his book were distributed to members of Congress. Even Senator Albert G. Brown of Mississippi, a slavery proponent, praised the argument's intellectual rigor and conceded that it was the most formidable legal challenge he had seen from the abolitionists to date. Spooner's book, The Unconstitutionality of Slavery, was cited uh, even in, in modern times. In 2008, uh, it was cited in the Supreme Court case of District of Columbia versus Heller, which struck down the federal district's ban on handguns. Uh, Justice Antonin Scalia, writing for the court, quotes Spooner as saying that the right to bear arms was necessary for those who wanted to take a stand against slavery. It was also cited by Justice Clarence Thomas in his concurring opinion in McDonald versus Chicago, another firearms-related case that and is often referenced in support, or I should say, Lysander Spooner's book is also often referenced in support of the proposition that early forms of gun control were directed toward newly freed slaves, perhaps the class of individuals that needed firearms the most. Spooner also wrote in support of the concept of jury nullification, a concept I discussed in episode 10 of this podcast, and I'll link to that episode in the show notes along with a link to Spooner's work on jury nullification. While Spooner wrote and worked a great deal to end slavery, he also wrote a great deal on political philosophy, including the work we are discussing today called Vices Are Not Crimes, A Vindication of Moral Liberty. I will likely discuss some of Spooner's other works in future episodes, but for now let's get into Vices Are Not Crimes. I'm going to share some excerpts with you from his work, uh, but I'll link to the entirety of uh, Vices Are Not Crimes in the show notes. So here we go. Vices are those acts by which a man harms himself 
or his property. Crimes are those acts by which one man harms the person or property of another. Vices are simply the errors which a man makes in his search after his own happiness. Unlike crimes, they imply no malice toward others and no interference with their persons or property. In vices, the very essence of crime, that is, the design to injure the person or property of another thing, is wanting. And here I'll, I'll editorialize just a bit. Here Spooner is referring to the criminal mind or the malicious intent, a fundamental premise of our criminal justice system is that to be criminally liable, one must have criminal intent. And vices just don't have that component. And he puts it uh, slightly differently. He says, he goes on, he says, it is a maxim of the law that there can be no crime without a criminal intent. That is, without the intent to invade the person or property of another. But no one ever practices a vice with any such criminal intent. He practices his vice for his own happiness solely and not from any malice toward others. Spooner goes on, unless this clear distinction between vices and crimes be made and recognized by the laws, there can be no such thing as individual right, liberty, or property. No such things as the right of one man to control of his own person and property. If these questions are not to be left free and open for experiment by all, each person is deprived of the highest of all his rights as a human being, to wit, his right to ascertain for himself what is to him virtue and what is to him vice. If this great right is not to be left free and open to all, then each man's whole right as a reasoning human being to liberty and the pursuit of happiness is denied him. What man or what body of men has the right to say in regard to any particular action or course of action? We have tried this experiment and determined every question involved in it, not only for ourselves, but for all. And as to all those who are weaker than we, we will coerce them to act in obedience to our conclusion. A government formed by voluntary association would never have been thought of if the object proposed had been the punishment of all vices, nobody would voluntarily submit to it. But a government formed by voluntary association for the punishment of all crimes is a reasonable matter because everybody wants protection for himself against all crimes by others. It is a natural impossibility that a government should have a right to punish men for their vices because it is impossible that a government should have any rights except such as the individual composing it had previously had. 
as individuals. They could not delegate to any government any rights which they did not themselves possess. And this is, I'm going to editorialize a little bit again here. This is a profound and often overlooked statement. It means that government has no special moral status. If I cannot kill someone except in self-defense, the government cannot kill someone except in self-defense. If I cannot coerce someone to refrain from consuming alcoholic beverages, the government cannot coerce someone to refrain from consuming alcoholic beverages, and so on. Continuing on, Spooner says, Nobody but a fool or an imposter pretends that he, as an individual, has a right to punish other men for their vices. But everybody has a natural right to defend his own person and property against aggressors. And government has no rightful existence except insofar as it embodies and is limited by this natural right of individuals. It is only those who claim that government has some rightful power, which no individual or individuals ever did or could delegate to it that claim that government has any rightful power to punish vices. To punish men for their vices is a sheer and utter absurdity for any government claiming to derive its power wholly from the grant of the governed, because it would be granting away their own right to seek their own happiness. Everybody wishes to be protected in his person and property against the aggressions of other men, but nobody wishes to be protected against himself. He only wishes to promote his own happiness and to be his own judge as to what will promote and does promote his own happiness. The object aimed at in the punishment of crimes is to secure to each and every man alike the fullest liberty he possibly can have, consistent, consistently with the equal rights of others, to pursue his own happiness under the guidance of his own judgment and by the use of his own property. The object aimed at in the punishment of vices is to deprive every man of his natural right and liberty to pursue his own happiness under the guidance of his own judgment and by the use of his own property. People must be permitted to control themselves and their property. Each man's life is his own. So there you have it. That's um, some, I think, some of the key um, components or key parts of Lysander Spooner's work. Uh, like I said at the beginning, I, I will link to the entirety of it in the show notes. I think it's worthwhile reading it. I simply just don't have time to go through it all here in, in one podcast episode. But Spooner makes this clear distinction between vices and crimes, where vices are generally considered to lack virtue, things like drug use, gambling, prostitution, the consumption of junk food, uh, and so on. And crimes, on the other hand, real crimes, 
not just crimes in the technical sense, are actions that violate the rights of others, such as theft, assault, or murder. And Spooner argues that while crimes should be punished, vices should not be considered crimes since they do not directly harm others. And according to Spooner, the primary role of government, if any, is to protect the rights of individuals. This includes protecting individuals from harm caused by others. However, Spooner argues that the government has no right to regulate, regulate vice because they do not directly harm others. Government regulation of vice amounts to an unjustified interference with personal liberty. So Spooner's argument that vices are not crimes is based on the idea that government should only intervene in individual behavior to prevent harm to others. And since vices do not directly harm others, Spooner argues that individuals should be free to engage in them without fear of government intervention. This argument has important implications for personal liberty and the role of government in a free society. And Spooner's work remains relevant today, nearly 150 years later, or actually over 150 years later by now. And in an era where any, anything someone can characterize as a vice is considered to provide sufficient reason for eviscerating individual liberty, returning to Spooner's vision is crucial. Murray Rothbard recognized it as a great bulwark against the state's eternal invasion of rights. Think about it. If government can criminalize vice, there is virtually no end to the power of government to control nearly every facet of our daily lives. What would stop the government from criminalizing the consumption of certain foods, watching Netflix, riding motorcycles, general idleness or laziness, and all sorts of other activities? Coerced obedience cannot be derived from our natural rights or the Constitution, but coercing obedience is certainly a vice of our government. But it is more than that. It is a denial of our fitness for the Declaration of Independence's central premise and a violation of its central purpose, and it is an outright denial of the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Understanding the distinction between a vice and a true crime is critical to a free society. Thanks everybody for, for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed the show. And if you did enjoy the show, don't forget to give it a thumbs up. And if you haven't already, subscribe. Help us spread the message of freedom. Tomorrow for Gunday Mon uh, Monday Gun Day, I'll be releasing another episode, so tune in for that. And before we sign off here, I just want to say, on the day that this episode is released, uh, May 14th, it will be 
our first anniversary, my first anniversary with my wife, whom I affectionately call Mrs. Forge of Freedom. So happy anniversary to to her and also happy Mother's Day. Our anniversary happens to coincide with Mother's Day this year, so happy Mother's Day to all you mothers out there. Uh, once again, don't forget to tune in tomorrow and again next Sunday. Uh, until then, remember, you are the Forge of Freedom.